Welcome, everyone, to the Stupid Sexy Podcast. Feels like I'm podcasting nothing at all. I'm Chris. That's Dan. Happy Monday, Dan. Well, happy Monday to you, too. Is it, though? Is it? Well, it's happy for us because we're talking about The Simpsons. Dan, what are we talking about today? We're talking about season three, episode six, three, sixteen, what? This is three sixteen. A full how many years before Stone Cold Steve Austin became a thing? At least four. This episode was on February 13th, 1992. And it is Bart the Lover. Oh, hell yeah. Bart the Lover. This is a classic simpsons episode but this one delivers a little bit of feels because it genuinely makes you feel bad for a character that you may never have felt bad for so yeah we're gonna talk about this now i mentioned this on our last episode that this episode features a classic a plot with the story between bart and krabappel so, of course, that's what I was referencing. The, uh, the B-plot. <laughs> the B-plot features one of my all-time favorite gags on The Simpsons. Not the all-time favorite gag, but one of them that's really, really close to the top. We will talk about that. Uh, but we have a lot to talk about. This episode is so freaking long, there's no chalkboard. And, of course, we're doing the one-eyed alien couch gag, which I believe we've already seen once before. Yeah. So we're and it wasn't that long, though, either. No, it was not. <laughs> so it starts off with the kids at Springfield Elementary in Mrs. Krabappel's class watching a crappy school film about a world without zinc. Where Jimmy can't go to work because there's no car battery. He can't phone his girlfriend because... There, there's no zinc to for the telephone, and he can't commit suicide because there's no zinc for the firing mechanism. <laughs> All the kids are bored, even Martin. I always love those crappy school film tropes that they do, where like the camera's off and there's the the bad film and the the of course the projector. Y'all remember how the projector was. Although eventually we didn't even have projectors in school because when, as the evolution came, we had the famous TV tray. You remember that, Dan? Yeah. So yeah, so that was like me growing up. Like it was the yep. the, the, the reels until I was like in third grade, and then it was it switched the over. The yeah. The TV in, and then before I graduated, every classroom had a TV and a VCR in it. Yeah, basically that was the evolution. Because then I remember by senior year in high school, we would actually have the cl- the classroom. The TV was always in the corner, and there was always the VCR, so you could just pop in and, and go for it. So, class is over, and Krabappel is so desperately lonely that she's actually begging for the kids to stay and talk about Zinc. She even offers to do their homework for them. <laughs> And then we get to see a montage of Mrs. Krabappel's ride home, where 
She gets soup for one from the Quickie Mart. Her car breaks down because her ex-husband put sugar in the gas tank again. But she hasn't been in the Quickie Mart in years. Oh, yeah. So what does she normally do? She hasn't been there since she was considered young. Right? Yeah. So he says, oh, you've been here since you were, like, hot or whatever. Or something like that he mentions. Yeah. Ooh, Mrs. Krapapple. And then, of course, the classic thing, she goes home is just the cat. And she notices a want ad. She's like, or it's one of those personal ads. Put a personal ad in the paper. And she's like, eh, why not? I'll go for it. So it's school assembly time the next day. Everybody's super rowdy. They're all riled up. Todd Flanders gets a paper airplane in his eye. Everybody's laughing. And of course, Skinner's like, I can wait just as long as you can. Nobody does anything. Knock it off! And now he's got their attention. He's like, all right, kids. We have a special group coming to visit you today. Oh, God. What the hell was even the name of it? But... What's the name of the group? Yeah, I don't have... I don't have... even on... You're on the... I don't make a ton of notes on these episodes, guys, so I don't always remember, like, everything, but... But, yeah, they get a... They've got a guy showing up, and he's got a traveling yo-yo circus. He's got, you know, Mr. Amazing, who can do six yo-yos at once. Sparkle, the female in the group who can wear yo-yos like an earring and shoot them out. And, of course, that's, like, Lisa's thing right there, as she sees the, the female, and she's all about it. And uh, they had Zero G, the guy who can do it upside down, and then the Cobra, the guy who does it with his tongue. And the kids are super enthralled by the show. And, of course, Krabappel and Hoover are smoking right in front of a no-smoking sign. I don't think this is very educational at all. I'll just let them enjoy it. It'll be one of their, be one of their few happy memories when they're pumping gas for a living. I love that the teachers have no faith in these kids at all, which speaks a lot about them. But I think that's the thing, right? Is like, there's a there's a joke that Springfield Elementary has crappy teachers, but in reality, it's just Krabappel and Hoover are the only bad ones who don't care. I'm sure, like, the other teachers there actually give a damn. Because there is an episode where Bart and Lisa end up in third grade together. Where Bart has to get sent back one and Lisa gets moved up one and, like, that teacher gave a damn. So there you go. It's just those two, which is probably why they're friends. So they're the Twirl King World Yo-Yo Champions. The Twirl King World Yo-Yo Champions. And they're playing the Age of Aquarius song. Yeah. They're like, let's get your principal up here. <laughs> He's like... And of oh, course, exactly hit me. Uh, yeah, don't move. These things can really hurt. They are, you know, Yo-Yo's are a Chinese invention invention for battle yes i think i have heard that before did you ever own a yo-yo yeah i owned one but i was never any good with it i wasn't able to do much more than basic tricks like walk the dog is the easiest because it's just get it to actually spin and then just let it go on the ground yeah and let it propel itself forward a bit and then you bring it back in 
I love that they're all the kids are also convinced that they're like these guys must be millionaires, and me working in pro wrestling knows how funny that is. It's like, oh, I just went to a wrestling show and I watched these guys wrestle, and they've got to be like famous and everything. And then you find out that they have regular nine to five jobs on the side because they probably you have to take your car to Pep, Bo- Pep Boys. You might meet a few of them <laughs> because they pro- they they probably got twenty five bucks if they were lucky from that promoter. I mean, if you're just a hole in a wall show, they're lucky they got a hot, hot dog and a handshake. Hot dog and a handshake. There it is. <laughs> so of course, the very next day at school. Everyone has a yo-yo. Everyone's got a yo-yo. And... Oh, yeah, and every question in classes, did yo-yos exist? Did they have yo-yos? Yeah, did they have yo-yos? God, no. And it turns out that Bart is really freaking good with the yo-yo. He's actually a natural with it. He can already do some unique tricks. And then Homer's like, well, that's really cool. I bet you can make a lot of money doing that. Yeah, name one person who's gotten rich doing yo-yo tricks. I love who Homer thinks of. Donald Trump, Arnold Palmer, yeah. Bill Cosby. <laughs> what do those nope. people even have in common? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so, of course, in class, Bart's, uh, Bart's going to show off his newest trick. And as he prepares it, he takes out the goldfish tank and kills the fish. And of course, when it cuts back, the, the string is on Bart's finger and goes, I didn't do it. And then groundskeeper Willie scoops up Stinky and Wrinkles and says, ah, don't worry about your wee fish, lassie. Um, make sure they go to a better place and you hear the toilet flush. Uh, the famous way to get rid of a dead fish. Mm-hmm. It's like, Bart, that's a month's worth of detention. Now give me the yo-yo. It's like He's like, oh, can I have it back? Bart, if I were you and you were me, would you give the yo-yo back? And of course he, em- he envisions like teasing a tiny little kerbopple. Here you go. Just kidding. He goes, of, of course I would. And she laughs it off and puts it in the drawer. That famous teacher, the famous teacher drawer with all the confiscated stuff. There's the Play Dude magazine and everything else that you know she's taken. There's a slingshot in there. I think there was a pocket knife. And then she goes on her first date from her personal ad. And it's with Jasper. And of course, the picture that he sent is like, he's in like a zoot suit. And he's got like mm-hmm. the thick beard. He goes... Uh, don't let the picture fool you, Missy. Just because there's a little snow on top when he's got no nothing on top. I forget how the rest of that goes. So, Bopple's not having any good luck there. Bart, of course, doing detention chores. And Hoover invites her to happy hour in the teacher's lounge. So she quickly grades all the papers with a B plus and takes off. And that's when Bart goes to get his yo-yo. And what does he discover in the meantime? The one plus one equals fun ad that Kerbopple put out. Yep. And this is a very infamous prank of Bart's that, again, it's another prank that has actual consequences, kind of like Radio Bart, where you realize... He's that catfish his teacher. He 100% catfishes. Sorry. He, so he starts writing... 
He starts. He basically from- writes a, an exact reply. Yes, I love this. Yes, I love that. Yes, I love that. And I'll, yeah, I also hate that. I hate yo-yos. Yes. You're dumb. <laughs> I really hate yo-yos. And of course, she's like, she's all about this. And of course, he picks Woodrow as the name. He's looking at the list of presidents. And he sees Woodrow. That's the name that he chose. So, we cut to Homer and Marge in the kitchen. And Santa's little helper is out shivering in the cold. Because terrible dog owners. Now, like, maybe the dog needs a doghouse. And Homer's like, well, we don't have to buy a doghouse. I'll build him one. And he draws that crappy little blueprint that he autographed. Did you notice that he even signed it? Yeah. He's like, let me walk you through this, Marge. That's the door. That's where the dog goes in. This happy little guy here is the sun. <laughs> it's such a great, like, children's drawing. And, of course, as Bart brings in the mail, how was detention? He's like, oh, I'm getting pretty good at using the pressure washer. He discovers he's got a reply letter. And Krabappel's like, oh, your letter intrigues me. Here's a picture to get your pen rolling and submits that uh, that picture of Krabappel. Which Bart's like, you've got a date with the Xerox machine. So you know that got around. She's like, yeah, you're not like... Uh, you're not like any other, any other guys I've talked to. He's like, you're right. I'm the 28th president of the United States. And I'm actually impressed that Bart got that right. <laughs> I mean, Woodrow Wilson isn't exactly one of the more famous presidents other than the fact that he led us into World War I. But he's not like a president that you talk about. But that's also kind of an obscure number to be president to remember. And Bart actually gets it right. So I actually say good for him. Now, while Homer is building this doghouse, he's having some problems, Dan. And how does he cope with these issues? Well, he uses profanity. So, Todd Flanders hears the profanity in the uh, in the backyard, and as we cut to so this, here comes one of my favorite jokes. As we cut to dinner with the Flanders, where of course Ned's telling the story about how oh this gentleman came into the leftorium and he asked me for change. I for a dollar, I gave him three quarters by mistake. It took me the rest of the afternoon to track him down. Because that's how Ned is, right? Yes. He says. And then Maud steps in, Todd, would you like any more vegetables? Hell no! What did you say? I said, I don't want any damn vegetables. Oh, that's it. No Bible stories for you. And Todd runs up to his room crying. <laughs> Maud's like, weren't you a little hard on him, Ned? Well, you knew I had a temper when you married me. Uh, that hell, I don't want any damn vegetables is one of my favorite Simpsons one-liners. Yeah. That it's not it's not as good as everything's coming up Millhouse or I bet my Wookie, but it's it's a good one. I don't want any damn vegetables. Damn vegetables. <laughs> it's oh, it's so great. Oh, so Nettie calls <laughs> Reverend Lovejoy. Oh yes, that's the best part. It's just like and the best part is Lovejoy's life. Like Ned Flanders is on the phone with that shitty grin. About the three quarters again. <laughs> Such a great quick callback. <laughs> uh, uh, well, what, what am I going to do? Uh, Todd, Todd said the... 
Uh, Todd said he wouldn't eat his damn vegetables. Oh, well, Ned, you know, kids, they, they never want to eat their vegetables. No, he said the D word. Oh. Well, I'll just show him a page in the Bible. Which one? Page 900. And then he just hangs up on him. And his cake melts and he just goes, damn, Flanders. Oh, there's so many things that happen to poor Revelyn Lovejoy because of Flanders. But that's what makes that trope so funny, right? Is like, the Re Flanders is more religious than the Reverend. And more hardcore about the Bible than the Reverend. Oh, it's so great. He's always bothering him. With, <laughs> with always bothering him. Well, it's time for Bart to write that second letter, and he's not sure what to do. The best part is, uh, how about I can bring you in for some home cooking? And he goes, hi, Karumpa. He's like, so he goes to his mom. Well, no, doesn't he go? He goes to Lisa first, right? And she so teases we're... him. He's like, ooh, you got a girlfriend. With name Bart, and he's just like, forget this. So he goes to his mom. He's like, "Did you save any of the love letters that Dad wrote you?" She's like, "Of course I did. Although there's only one, and it's more of a love postcard, which is another oh, great gag. It's a great postcard. <laughs> it's the it's from the beer the beer garden. You can tell he's drunk. Oh, Marge, maybe it's the beer talking, but you got a butt that won't quit. The five dollars, get out of here. He's just writing what he's saying. I think he has that uh, that nice conversation with Mrs. Krabappel, too, where he actually uses that information to bullshit his way through the second letter. Uh, but Flanders is on an investigation to figure out where the hell Todd learned these words from. He didn't learn it from TV. <laughs> oh, that's their best part. Is this all he watches? Well, he used to watch Davy and Goliath, but he thought the idea of a talking dog was too blasphemous. And I, I love the list where it's like Grandma TV, and then of course they're play. He's playing with his brother in the backyard, building building a place for the villagers to pray. And then that's when Ned hears Homer cursing at the doghouse. <laughs> Nonstick my butt. Hey, uh, Simpson, I got a bone to pick with you. Look, Flanders, this is about your camcorder. I lost it, all right? Now, can you not use the potty mouth in front of my boys? Oh, come on, Ned. I don't complain about your mustache. What's wrong with my mustache? Well, it makes you look like you got something to hide. People are talking, Ned. A lot of people. And he goes, well, you got yourself a deal. You can the sailor talk, and I'll get rid of the old soup strainer. He's like, aye, aye, Admiral Butthead. So, of course, we cut to colorization theater with the, uh, <laughs> it's that old black and white foreign film that they've turned. The people are purple. <laughs> they look like characters from Doug. <laughs> and, of course, Bart's like, well, slow down, Frenchie. You're using all your good stuff here. And, of course... Krabappel's like, or Krabappel's actually reading the letter to Hoover. And she's like, wow, you're so lucky. When are you going to meet him? She goes, well, I'm going to see what he looks like. And if he, if he's got everything in the right place, I'm going to reel him in. And Bart's got the uh, the famous hockey player's almanac from like 1969. And there's Gordie Howe. And that's who gets to represent Woodrow is, of course. Well, Gordie, you're going in. Gordie, you're going in.
<laughs> Gordy motherfucking hell. Thanks, boys. Gretz is the best player ever, you piece of shit. But Mr. Hockey? Suck my Mr. Cocky, you fucking loser. This is best all-round player. Anybody, if any of you guys out there watch Letter Kenny, that's another show. Between that, Pokemon, and Rick and Morty are the sh- other shows we've talked about doing some reviews of. So don't worry. That might happen. I, I think Dan and I could probably talk Letter Kenny. You know that Riley is the bad guy in <clears throat> show? In in what? There's a Mighty Ducks show on Disney Plus. It's like Mighty oh, Ducks. Oh yeah, the, I haven't seen it. Show. But... Riley is the bad guy. He's like the, the coach of the ducks, but the ducks have become too into winning and they're mean. And he's the co- the new coach of the team. Gee, go figure. The actor plays a hockey player. And looks like a hockey player is playing a hockey player coach. There you go. So yeah, so he's like, oh, he is a coach. He's the player coach on the Letterkenny Fighting Irish. He is. So, of course, Marge wants to deal with uh, Homer and the swearing, and she actually asks for help. Yeah. (laughs) Well, my dad used a swear jar. Yeah, because it almost cost him his job as a baby photographer. <laughs> <laughs> here's a here's a thing to know about me. My mother was a baby photographer while what? at a hospital. Well, there you go. What's funny is that we, we learn in a future episode that Marge's dad was actually a flight attendant. But he was also in the service and everything. So, And I love Homer Homer asking all the questions about where he's allowed to swear. And my favorite is, what about in the bedroom? And Marge is like, well, that's okay. It's like, well, it's like, yeah, like, what if I like put a hammer through my, I hammer my, my finger? No, if I'm on fire, yes, yes, that one's okay. So now comes the big date night. Krabappel's at the restaurant. Woody is all excited to meet her. Bart peeks in and then goes next door to see a movie. He sees Ernest needs a kidney. And comes out laughing his ass off and immediately feels remorse. Well, he says he feels partially responsible, but because he realizes... there and they're closing up and they're like grabbing the chair. They put out the candle. Yeah. And she just starts weeping. Which is really sad. Partially responsible. Alright. Before we get back to the Bart story, though, it's time for one of my favorite moments in The Simpsons. The swear jar montage. So let's go over this real quick. First, it's because uh, every time Homer swears, you see the hand putting putting money in the jar, right? So first, they're in church, passing around the collection plate, and Homer puts money in, and Bart goes, Dad, that was a 20. Next thing you know, money in the jar. <laughs> Homer's bowling. He hits down all the pins. One stays up. He goes, oh, use, and money in the jar. And there's Flanders with no mustache saying that as soon as he shaved it off, he got cast in a commercial. And now the way the checks are coming in, it's almost criminal. You dirty, rotten bass. Money in the jar. (laughs) And then you see Homer's doghouse. How's the dog supposed to get in? Money in the jar. (laughs) And then the best part, he's on the hammock. A beehive drops on him. And you see the swelled up hand putting money in 
It was like I would think that would be that would be in the fire category. <laughs> that is the best montage, and it leads into Homer <laughs> slamming a hammer on his finger and going, "Oh, fudge! That's broken." He steps on a nail that goes through his foot. Fiddle dee dee! That will require a tetanus shot. <laughs> I'm not going to swear, but I am going to kick this doghouse down. <laughs> Flips out. And then here comes Marge and Lisa with a new doghouse. We bought you one bought for a you. Doghouse with the money you put in the swear jar. And there's an extra surprise in there for you. Oh, Maggie, cute. No, behind her. Oh, beer. How'd you know? Dude, that part is so funny. The whole swear jar montage and then. The 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 line fiddle dee dee that will require a tetanus shot is a lot is a Simpsons quote that I use in regular speak. <laughs> when I if I do something and I have to hold back from swearing, I will either say "Oh fudge, that's broken," or I will say "Fiddle dee dee that will require a tetanus shot." <sighs> but no, not enough people get it. I need more Simpsons fans like you guys listening to this show to to be around me in my everyday life and get my Simpsons jokes, please. So, Bart has had enough seeing how sad Krabappel is because she try- he tries to actually cheer her up and he goes, there's plenty of fish in the sea. What about Principal Skinner? She goes, Seymour? Let's just say his mommy won't let him out to play. Future trope there. He mentions one of the coaches and she makes the alcohol notion. Groundskeeper Willie. I'm not even going to tell you what that guy's into. Bart, you're the closest thing to a man in my life, and that's so depressing it makes me want to cry. And Bart's had enough. He confesses to Marge. Lisa, of course, teases him, and then he has to reveal that, yeah, I played a a bad prank. Marge is upset with him. Homer demands that he tell the truth, but Marge refuses, because that would be even worse. And then Lisa comes up with a solution. What if we write her another letter that says goodbye but makes her feel loved? And Homer's like, step aside. Sensitive love letters are my specialty. Dear baby, welcome to Dumpsville. Population you. And Marge is like, we'll all help. And all their ideas are great, too. Like, Lisa's trying to make him into, like, a Peace Corps person. Bart's trying to figure out that he make it seem like he's dying. And then Homer goes, three simple words, I am gay. For the last time, I'm not putting that in the letter, Homer. And he does it again. <laughs> yeah, P.S. I am gay. But he actually gets a good closing line in there with a love that will echo through the ages. So good for Homer. And finally, they actually come up with a decent love letter. Bart, Which, which is noncommittal. It just says, I have to go. Doesn't say yeah. what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> or how he'll get there. He'll figure it out on the way. But whenever the wind whispers, I will hear the name Edna. And she's got some rejuvenation in life right there. That uh, She even lets Bart have their detention outside and calls it a date. And the final part of the episode are Gordy has hockey stats. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, Great. Great episode. What do you think? Oh, yeah. This is a really good... This is a top tier... This is a top tier season three episode. You, you come... You come for the, the... The the prank 
that goes too far and develops Bart as a character, but you stay for the absolute comedy of Homer having a swear jar. And the Todd Flanders thing is what makes it the best part. I don't want any damn vegetables. A couple of very classic moments in this one, for sure. Like holding hands and dinner by candlelight. And oh yes, I really hate yo-yos. <clears throat> so let's do some trivia for Bart the Lover. Near the end of the episode, there is a montage where Homer has a series of bad experiences that causes him to curse, although the scene always cuts before he can be heard swearing. When recording Homer's lines for that sequence, Dan Castellaneta was told to include the cursing. According to Mike Reese, by coincidence, some eight-year-old children were allowed to visit the studio the day those lines were recorded. Reese recalls that their eyes were as big as saucers after hearing a Homer curse. That is awesome. All right. All right, Dan, you're allowed to swear as Homer. All right. Oh, but there's kids visiting. We forgot to tell you. Then can we, like, do that tomorrow or later today? Nope. Right now. <laughs> for the name of the yo-yo trick that Bart performs for Millhouse, the writers had wanted to use a term that was slang for masturbation. They proposed several names to the censors, and the censors deemed that plucking the pickle was the term that they thought was acceptable. So this time, the censors actually got a say in an episode. A rare thing for The Simpsons. But that's better than them actually, like, f forcing an edit or something like that. <clears throat> The Fox censors had objected about the, the, the Zodiac, the, I almost said the Zodiac killer, the Zodiac guy trying to kill himself, but the producers had to claim the character was not aiming at his own head, which he 100% was, so I don't know how they got away with that. This is the very first episode to prominently feature Mrs. Krabappel. Obviously, there will be more. R.I.P. Marsha Wallace. But it was cool to see her in a prominent role because she is an interesting character. She's a good character. You know, you're supposed to hate her because she's the, the overbearing teacher and she's a foil to Bart. But at the same time, she's doing her job even though she doesn't really care for it. And Bart's just making it harder. Although, if you look at her class, she doesn't exactly have winners in there. <laughs> I mean, she has to deal with Nelson and Milhouse. She does have Martin. Yeah, but even he is too much, right? Even he can be too much, yeah. <laughs> Rod and Todd Flanders sing the song Bringing in the Sheaves because the writers liked having them sing obscure religious songs. I mean, that is an obscure one. If you noticed on the letter that Bart got, <clears throat> it was addressed to 94 Evergreen Terrace. That is not the Simpsons' address. It's 742 Evergreen Terrace. So, all right. So originally, instead of Gordy Howe, the writers wanted Johnny Unitas, but they were unable to get the rights for his usage for free. Howe was their second choice and was suggested by Al Jean, who was a Detroit Red Wings fan growing up. At the end of the episode, they put up his NHL and his WHA statistics because the writers decided to try something different in filling a slight time underrun. That works. I think that was a good ending. Because why not? It makes it funny. 
So we we mentioned that uh, groundskeeper Willie is into something sexually deviant. Well, in Homer Badman and Bye Bye Nerdy, we do learn that groundskeeper Willie is into fetish videotaping people in private. So Krabappel already knew. Woodrow's voice. Do you know who Harry Shearer was impersonating? Ricardo Montalban. Ricardo Montalban. And Marsha Wallace got an Emmy for this episode. <clears throat> and one last quick piece of trivia. This is actually pretty funny. The subplot where Homer tries to clean up his language was written partially in response to the many complaints the show had been getting about the language on the show. It's not the first time they wrote an episode around something that somebody had written in as a direct response or to mock. So there you go. Yeah, great episode. Absolute classic. Dan, I don't know how it could possibly get better than Bart the Lover, but this Friday, it's going to get way better because we are going to review Homer at the Bat one of my top three favorite episodes of The Simpsons, and possibly your favorite episode. I mean, I know you said it's up there. A million times. Yes. Uh, we have both watched this episode an ungodly amount of times. So, I would be terrified to actually know how many times I've seen some of these episodes from these early seasons. Like, if I could look at the statistic, I, I honestly would be terrified. It's, I've probably lost entire days of my life to just one episode in general. But, well, we'll see how Homer at the Bat goes. That might be a slightly longer episode, because Dan and I are also baseball fans. So there might be a lot to talk about here, but we don't know yet. We shall see. But that is coming up. And I'm looking forward to that one. Great episode featuring some more of our favorite gags and some of our favorite lines in that one. Oh. For sure. <laughs> I mean, Chris such a fan. He had our friend Mike do his own version of the team lineup picture from the end yeah. of the episode. I, co I commissioned it as a Christmas gift for my my sister and her husband, who are also Simpsons fans and huge baseball fans. But I was like, hey, I need another copy for me, too. <laughs> and I have it in a frame. Yeah, Mike's cool, because I, I did him. Uh, he drew my parents' cars for Christmas. And essentially, uh, I can I have, like, the master files. I can do whatever I want with them. As long as he is duly credited. Yeah. I and, I and I would never, ever, ever have an issue crediting Mike for his amazing work. So, yes, but that will we will save more talk for that Friday. Till that time, I'm Chris, and that's Dan. We'll see you again for another stupid, sexy podcast. Feels like I'm podcasting nothing at all. <laughs>